Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Good morning, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law, 560 AM, KBLU. I am Sean Garner, attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson, in studio with Adam Hanson and Cody Beeson. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. So today we want to talk about the process of learning and growing and obtaining knowledge and finding the best way to achieve something. And a lot of times when I work on a project, I'd rather just find the easiest way right off the bat. I wish I would have maybe read the instructions. I hate to admit that on on the radio or or live, but um, understood the mistakes that I was about to make beforehand. And so just to go for an example, um, I was four years ago building a house and I wanted to install an attic ladder. So we installed it in the ceiling, and uh, it pulled down great, folded out, and everything looked good. But then the garage doors got installed, and unfortunately, the railing for the garage door was right underneath the ladder, so I couldn't pull it down. And so I had to do this workaround the whole time, and I've been doing this for four years, this workaround trying to bend this ladder around the railing of the garage door so I could get up into my attic, and consequently I just never get up there because it's just too much of a pain. And uh, so I looked online about different ladder designs and you know a slide-down ladder so I wouldn't have to fold down and get in the way of that uh, rail. And uh, I did. I bought a ladder that, that would work for that, and uh, finally set to the project, I went up in the attic, took the, the current ladder totally apart. So now, f- unfortunately, it was riveted together. So there wasn't, wasn't screws that I, I could take apart. I had to like drill out every rivet of that ladder and pull it apart. And when I did, I discovered that the ladder and the hatch and the, the springs that pulled the hatch closed um, after you get done using the ladder, they were all basically tied together as bit one big component and so nothing would work the hatch wouldn't work without the ladder attached to it and so now i just had this big gaping hole in my ceiling and um i had all the pieces down and i'm just sitting there and i started the project a little later at night it was like nine o'clock at night i figured it would take me i don't know half an hour i always way underestimate how long it's going to take me to you know pull a project apart and so I'm looking at all the pieces, thinking, how can I get this hatch to close? I've got this new ladder to put up there, but it's 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 useless unless the hatch actually closes. And uh, I'm looking, I'm looking, and finally, like, this light bulb goes off, probably about 1130, n- nearly midnight, that the ladder that I had in there would actually work fine. I'd ha- I had to put it back together in order for the hatch to work. All of those bolts and and rivets had to tie in for the latch to have the proper tension. But there's only one hinge on the ladder that was actually extending over the garage door opener. And um, if I just unpinned that hinge, I could put in a clip. And that clip would hold the ladder in place where I could climb up the ladder into the attic, no problem. And all I had to do is pull down the hatch and unhinge that one clip, and the ladder would come apart, and I could store the ladder. I have this, you know, up against the wall right next to where I need to get up into the attic. And that process of putting that hinge together takes about 10 seconds. 
And fixing it and putting it all together, you know, that actually took me only about a couple minutes. But putting the ladder back together and finding out all the components and how those uh, arms and springs and everything worked, that took me several hours to get it back together. And I sat down after the fact and I thought, wow, I'm such an idiot. I, I wish I could have understood that before I took everything apart. But in reality, I do know now how those attic ladders work. They're, they're, they're quite complex. They look pretty easy, but they're quite complex. And uh, so I, I've got this great appreciation for how much goes into this design. And uh, now I can get up into my attic much easier. And I really appreciate it when I can pull down that uh, hatch and stick in that pin and climb up into my attic. So the point being is, it's not necessarily about uh, reaching your goal and, and, and finishing the project. It's, it's, a lo- it's about the journey. And you hear that, and it's kind of a cliche statement. It's, it's, it's about the journey. And I see you, sh- you know, shaking your head and disgust a little bit, Adam. But um, we always heard that in high school, in sports, this is a journey, guys. You know, you, you're working out, you're, you're doing your conditioning, you're lifting weights. Enjoy the journey. It's not just about going to the competitions. It's about going through the process. And uh, so I want to open it up and ask you guys, what projects have been your ladder in the attic? And I, I've got another one that I want to jump back to later on about my kids trying to put together a chair um, earlier this week that was a fun project. But uh, Cody, I know you're working on some projects right now. Oh, yeah. What things have you done that has been your uh, IKEA furniture project? Uh, the project that after you get it done, you're like, oh, my goodness, that could have been so much easier. Um, I, I don't know about things that'd be easier, but I certainly, like when you were talking, it uh, something hit, hit a bell or rang a bell with me. Um, first time I, I put together like an AR, I realized I would rather know it from the inside out. Like I want to know every component of it so I know how it functions. And if there's something I'm going to change, I want to, you know, choose the parts from the beginning. Yeah. So, so just, just for the people that are out there that don't speak gun, gun lingo, oh, an AR-15 is, is this assault rifle that everybody's attacking right now in the mainstream media. But it's a very popular and useful rifle. It, I, I, I consider it like the Barbie gun because it, I, I don't know. I don't have children, but you guys have children. Surely, surely you've dealt with Barbies, and you know every accessory you could ever imagine is available. Right. Sean so, still plays with Barbie. <laughs> Stop hey, it. whatever. They're collectible. Stop it. It's okay, man. Hey, your real hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Point being is, you can choose exactly the accessory and the item you want, and and build exactly what you want from the beginning. But it helps and have that foundation and that knowledge of what you're putting in there and what you're doing. Um, so I was just thinking when you're describing this ladder, it's like, yeah, you know exactly the rivets, you know the size rivets, you know uh, the placement, you know everything for that particular project that you're working on inside and out. So, I mean, that, that information I think is uh, so valuable to – I mean, if you need it, well, if you need to know what your ladder looks like on well, the inside of your garage. Hopefully, in the future, my kids will move back to Yuma and build houses, or I can go when I retire, help them build houses. I know my father-in-law has helped me build my house, and it's been invaluable, the amount of wisdom that he's brought into the project. And um, this is just one aspect of it. I mean, did you know that these ladders have two pistons, have 80 pounds of pressure that have to be compressed to to get them latched on to pull the whole ladder back up that was a pain in the butt to get up but i tell you what i learned 
that's a that's an important component. Well, and you learn that without like pinching your fingers. Well, no, I. Oh, you did. <laughs> I got blood blisters all over my. Because that's part of it. That's part of the learning curve. Yeah. You know. Oh, I don't put my hand there anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that so this AR, you you take it all apart. So when something malfunctions, or when you can hear it, right? You can when the when you're shooting it, the mechanism you can tell when it's not functioning properly. I mean, I, I guess more the telltale signs if like the brass is ejecting in a certain uh, way or trajectory. Yeah, yeah. So certain things. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I thought it was more about that knowledge. Like I want to know it from the inside out. Um, versus going to a store and picking one up off the shelf. Well, you think about it, and yeah, taking it apart, I, putting I, it back together is an absolute essential component to really appreciating how that gun functions. Oh, oh, yeah. And I mean, being able to continue to allow it and, and, and maintain it to function. I mean, because like anything man-made, it, it, it falls apart after a while. So mm -hmm. so you have to kind of figure out you know, what is, is happening when, when something doesn't work right. Yeah. So... Do you ever come up with, as you're pulling it apart, like different engineering ideas? Oh, if they would have done it this way, this wouldn't break as often. You know what? With things like that, they, uh, there are so many options on the market. Um, I think you're, you're right. You kind of figure something out like, oh, it'd be nice if this was there. And then you search for it and lo and behold, somebody's somebody make, yeah. done that. Yeah. yeah. But, the, but that's the whole beauty about YouTube is you've got guys out there that are constantly, you know, 3d printing or they're coming up with new designs or life hacks that can make just the simplest things easier. And, um, I'm sure that's true with ARs. You know, you say that it's got every accessory, it's got clips on it that you can put anything that you want on it, but you don't even know what you want or you don't even know what you need until you go out there and look and you're like, oh, I need that. Yeah, I didn't I, even know that existed, but now I need it. I need to be able to launch golf balls or soda cans or whatever. <laughs> so. Exactly. Adam, you're always projecting. What's the latest and greatest? Well, uh, you, you brought up 3D printing. That's one of my i love 3d printing i got in 3d printing kind of a, a marrying of these two things where cody's talking about ar-15s um i originally got a 3d printer to print the what we call a lower receiver of a ar-15 so if i were to go buy a gun from spregs let's say that gun is serialized but not the whole thing not the not the barrel not the not the stock just the lower receiver. It's just the bottom part that receives the magazine and it has a trigger portion that's built into it. And that's actually the thing that serializes what they say. And so that's considered a firearm. Nothing else is considered a firearm. It's not a firearm because it's all put together. It's just that lower receiver. And so what happened years ago was people didn't want to be on the radar of the government going into Spregs and buying guns, an AR-15. And so they came up with a method of 3D printing the lower receiver so you can just make it at home. You could print the lower receiver portion of it, and then you could buy the other parts like the barrel and the trigger and the uh, butt stock and all that kind of stuff. You put it all together like Legos, and now you have your AR-15 without a serial number that you've made at home. And uh, so over time, over the last, what, five, seven years, Cody, they've actually they the community out there in the world you know that's been playing around with this all stuff. the gun nuts yeah and they're not even gun nuts it's just fun you know it's no, just thinking around yeah i no. mean people have been doing this since the invention of the gun you, yeah you, people it's it's a very american thing to do i would argue it's written into our law that you're allowed to make your own yeah until recently and i'll, I'll get into that but 
yeah, so it, ultimately, you know, I bought this 3D printer to play around with that kind of stuff, but I actually haven't done it uh, yet because I've been doing other things with that 3D printer primarily. Um, for example, and I, sh I think I showed you this. You weren't as impressed as I thought you would be. Uh, it was really a deflating moment in my life when I showed you my project, and you're like, hmm. You can't read my body language. Well, Sometimes I'm very impressed, but I just, just because I don't jump up and give you a hug. Well, your face doesn't show it. Uh. So my wife, in her car, there's like no room on her console to put a phone mount. Why are you laughing? I was impressed with this that. This is a serious issue. I was impressed with that. I thought you did a very good job. Mm. It was pink, wasn't it? No, it's not, well, yeah. Initially, I turned black. <laughs> that was the only filament that I had. So that was the thing: is he can't. Sean has a lack of vision. Uh -huh. when it, he can't see the final project like no, I, I can see it in my mind. I saw it perfectly. My vision was clear. <laughs> it was pink. I'm saying the end product goal vision. Okay. So anyway, she doesn't have a, a place on her console, and and so I'm like, okay, I can fix that problem with the 3D printer. I took my phone. And you can download an app. It's a LiDAR app. So it uses the front-facing camera of your phone. On most iPhones and Android phones, it uses LiDAR to detect your face. That's how you can open up your phone. So it understands the, uh, it recognizes the light bouncing off your face and the contours and things like that of your face, unique to you, and that's what opens your phone. Well, LiDAR is fantastic for creating things in 3D. Uh, and so... If you flip the phone around and you use the front-facing camera and you wave it around an object, it starts bouncing light off of that, and it's recording the, that light, and then it meshes it together into a 3D model. So it's a light version of radar using light beam instead of like radio waves, I guess, right? Yeah, it's a detection of, of light bouncing off an object. Okay. And so I, I waved it across the area where you could put a phone mount without getting in front of all, all these other dials and the radio and things like that. And so then I imported, now I created a 3D mesh rendering of that exact, and the measurements are exact, you know, that the curvature of the dash and all that stuff was exact because I used that LiDAR app. And so then I was able to export that particular file into a CAD program, and then I started designing in 3D a mount system that was in perfect measurements to a, a, a phone mount that she already had. So what ended up happening was once I got that rendered in CAD, then I could export that to a 3D print file, and then I printed it in a couple hours. And that's what you saw was the printed file or the printed version of it, which happened to be, it's actually red, but it looks kind of pink to the eye, but it, it was branded as red, okay? That's why I bought it. Mm. And uh, it's now black. I turned it black uh, to match her dash, but uh, it was a perfect fit. I mean, once that was printed... I put double-sided tape on it, and it fit just exactly how it was supposed to in the 3D rendering. And now she has a nice, firm uh, phone mount. What was happening before was the phone mount that she tried to have on there, it was only halfway on, halfway off the dash because there just wasn't enough room for it. And because of the flat mounts. What's that? Because the mounts are flat. Flat, right. And so as we would hit any little bump, it's, especially with the heat of the summer in Yuma, that adhesive starts to just you know, peel away. And so over time, your phone just falls down while you're driving. It can be really kind of distracting. So um, I thought it was pretty cool what I did, but nobody else did. No, 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 I did. So it, it brings me full circle here. Some of the, the, the projects, you don't really appreciate your phone being mounted to your dash 
until it's difficult to mount because for my dash, I've got this big Nissan Envy van and I got plenty of flat spaces. The, the, the thing is a big box and my neighbor calls it the bread box. And, um, but he has no problem getting inside when we have to pull the boat out of the lake. So anyway, um, this, this bread box design has a lot of flat surfaces. And so I could buy any number of cell phone mounts and just peel off the, the, the sticky tape and put it on the mount. And there we go. But with you, you designed it. So, but in, in designing that dash mount, not only do you have a phone that's not going to fall off while you're going down a bumpy road or when it gets hot, but you've got this concept of how it all works and how to put together these components. And you've made a half a dozen things already by now. You've made things for a radio station. You've made things at home for, you know, your kids' toys and things like that. And it's the process of learning how things work and how they function that uh, exponentially benefits you throughout life. And so that's kind of the point that I wanted to get at is it really is the journey, as cliche as it may sound. It's the, it's the concept of being able to take things apart and being confident enough and saying, okay, we're going to approach this. And then the trial and error, because a lot, most times the first one doesn't work. The first time that you try it doesn't work. And then you try it again and again until it finally does work. I got home Monday um, last week, and my kids were putting together a chair. So it was my nine-year-old son, and uh, well, it was my son and my my niece, and she's also nine. So they were putting together this chair, and they had you know these four round posts that were made to hold the tree up straight that they had cut up into the chair legs, and then they had these. Um, two by twelves that they were using for the seat and the backrest, and they had these just regular screws. I think they were a variation of a drywall screw that they were. You know, that's what they had. And he has a drill when when he does chores around the house. He doesn't really get excited to get paid just money because he puts it in a savings account. He doesn't see it. So I go and buy him tools to incentivize him to, hey, there is some compensation here. So he doesn't use your tools, too. Yes, and yeah, and so my, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Actually, I give him my old tools, and I go out and buy new tools. There you go. <laughs> and uh, so... That's what Harbor Freight's for. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he's got this tool, and um, he's, he's using this, this drill to try to put these screws in, and, and it's stripping because the wood is too hard, and it's not the right type of screw. And... You can see him working it through in his mind, and I've got this screw organizer that he goes into, and I said, you know, there's different screws that are made for that. They've got this coating on it. It'll make it go through easier. And then I go in the house to change. I just arrived from work, so I'm still in my work clothes. And by the time I got back out there, he had the three-inch deck screws that he's using, and he's he's drilling these legs, uh, the um, seat into the leg post, but he's just doing one screw straight down, and uh, he goes to sit on the chair, and it's all wobbly, and, uh, you know, this slightest bit of push, the, the, the legs are going to buckle. And so I said, yeah, you need, you need to put some cross beams on those legs. And so he goes out and finds some other scraps. And uh, we ended up putting some cross beams on it. And then they wanted to paint it and they, they put some um, padding on it. So the padding, this is their project. I'm not, I'm not sitting there walking them through step by step. I'm doing my own little projects. But... Um, he asked his mom if he could put padding on it, and she said, yeah, sure. And he goes, well, what should I use? And she said, I don't know, cotton. 
So I go out in my shop later that night to sh- turn off the lights and button up for the night. And I see a bunch of cotton balls <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the seat, hot glued to the chair. <laughs> and so, you know, last night m- my wife comes out and gave him a, f- a piece of foam that she had left over from another project. And, and he, again, he cut it up, he put it together and, and glued it. And then his niece comes, or my niece comes over, his cousin comes over and looks at it and is like, that looks ugly. Well, she brings the feminine touch to it. And he's like, what? It's soft. And she's like, yeah, it needs to have cloth on it. It needs to have cloth covering it before. And so they had to go through the project of peeling off that foam from the chair that was hot glued to it. It's kind of tearing, but you know they're working their way through it. And uh, then they, they wrapped the foam with the cloth that, again, my wife gave them from a prior project and glued it back to the chair. And it actually looks it's a fairly cute chair it's functional it won't buckle well if i sit on it it might but it won't buckle under their weight and uh they'll probably have this chair for some time it's it's a great little chair but they learn quite a bit in doing it and uh it's impressive to see the that from an outsider's point of view when it's not your emotions and it's not your fingers getting smashed as, as the project's going on and it really made me think because adam we've been talking a lot about being able to keep up with what's going on in the news and keep current with the events in the world and not aggravate my my stomach ulcer any more than I have to because it's very stressful and it's very depressing to look out there what's going on in the world and see leaders in our community, state, nation, and, and the world around make mistakes that we feel, well, make decisions that we feel are mistakes. And the idea is we're all learning as we go. Hopefully, with big decisions like that, we can read a manual. We can look at what's happened before and and, and a very good manual for big world decisions that have implications nationwide or statewide or even worldwide is uh, history. And a lot of people have made these types of decisions before and implemented them and to disastrous results. And so we look at those types of situations and we compare those and we say, yeah, that doesn't work out very well. And so let's not make that same decision again because we don't want to have to relive the hell that some people in the past had to live through. For example, uh, you look at what happened in the 40s with the implementation of certain certain political parties, the Nazi party, the fascist parties, the communist parties, and all of those have caused significant amount of human suffering. And so we don't want to do that again. And the thing that allowed for the greatest amount of human development and joy is, is just freedom. Let people alone. Protect them from one another in, in infringing upon their rights, but let them innovate, let them act on their own conscience. And that provides the greatest amount of joy, intervention, and prosperity in nations. But we can't seem to learn that. The the governments constantly seem to think that they have the fix, and that is more control. And uh, I'm getting off base a little bit here, but the idea is the learning process is a good thing, except once you've learned it, don't be stupid and go back and make the same mistakes. Sean, we've got to go to a break. 
This is Life, Death, and the Law, 560 AM KBLU. We'll be right back. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back. This is Life, Death, and the Law, 560 AM KBLU. We've been talking a lot about um, this idea of trying to find positivity, even though the world around us, the news that's being pushed into our faces, um, is not the most positive. And uh, Sean, we're going to talk about that in, in just a minute, a little bit more. Before we get too far into that, we just got done doing a what we would call a cycle of seminars, right? We offered two public seminars at the Yuma Main Library and at the Yuma Foothills Library, and those were wildly successful. We had so many people, we had to turn people away. And uh, if you didn't have a chance to come to our seminars in February, we're, we're going to have two more seminars next week, in the first week of March. So that's going to be the second of March. That's a Thursday at the Yuma Main Library at 1030 in the morning. And then we'll have another seminar on Friday afternoon at 2.30 at the Foothills Library. So again, if you didn't have a chance to come this last month, come come this next week and see if you can't stump us. We have this seminar that's online on our website. You can watch it at any time uh, on your own, but the value of coming in person is that you have Sean and I there to grill us. You can ask us any question that you, you want and... Uh, you rarely have that opportunity to to put an attorney on the spot, so come and take it. Especially when you're in a crowd, you know, you're in a safe space. There are a lot of people asking questions. Some of the people ask questions that you wish you would have asked or didn't know but uh, wanted to ask, and so you'll get a lot of answers that way. Also, especially for our winter visitors, they seem to really get a lot out of this because they had their planning done in Oregon or Washington or Utah or Montana, wherever it might be that you're visiting from, and they have questions about their planning, whether it's just understanding the different components of it and how it's put together or understanding if there's a better way to do it. And not only do we explain that at the seminar, but we offer for anybody that attends the opportunity to come in for a free consultation. You can bring in your planning, or even if you don't have the actual written planning in front of you, the concept of your planning, sit down with us, and uh, we'll we'll outline what a, a, a good plan would be and compare it to what you have. And that process of outlining what you want to have happen takes about 15 to 20 minutes, and then the comparison takes the, the remainder of the time. We set aside an hour and a half for these appointments. And I've yet to have somebody walk out saying that was a waste of time. Plenty of people have, have walked out saying, we don't need your services, or I've told them, you don't need my services. But um, we've all gained a little bit of insight as to how their plan works, and if there are any loose ends, how to wrap them up. Now, if they do need our services, we do planning that works nationwide. So we can provide estate planning for winter visitors here in Yuma that will work in Washington or Montana or, or even in New York across the country. So um, feel free to attend those seminars, learn what you can, and take us up on that free offer if you if you are curious enough after the seminar to learn more in a one-on-one conversation. 
And if you can't make it on Thursday, we're going to do another one the next day at 2.30 at the Foothills Library. And uh, so that's going to be March 3rd at the Yuma Foothills Library at 2.30. So that one's usually really successful. Last time we had to turn people away. We can only have 85 people in that room because of the fire code. And we had more than 85 show up. So if you're coming to these, we really recommend calling us ahead of time and RSVPing because if you don't, it's it might be that we can't let you in, not because we don't want to. We want everybody to get in that room, but we can't fit everybody. Um, and so it really helps us, and it'll cause you to have less frustra- frustration if you just call us ahead of time and let us know that you're coming. If you want to get a sneak peek about what other people are saying about those, just Google our law firm and look on the reviews. Google Decent Gardner Hanson. You don't have to go to our website. Just go to Google's search result of our website, and it'll have a bunch of reviews. You can go to Yelp. You can go to Better Business Bureau. And there are hundreds of reviews of people that have attended those. So you can get an idea as to what people are saying about those seminars. Because um, I know there's a lot of leeriness out there of people going to a seminar and thinking they're going to get some information and then they walk away and they, they now own a timeshare in uh, some remote location. I, I was just going to say, like the telltale sign is they're not getting dinner at this thing. <laughs> they're not, there's no like, you know, follow up, you know, yeah. anything. They're, they're getting the education. Yes. That, yeah. That's what we're offering. No dinner. There's no cookies. We, we, we've had some complaints. We had a, a group of ladies show up and say, hey, I brought my girlfriends. I thought we were going to have lunch here. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> it's food for thought. Yeah, not one of those seminars. <laughs> right. At the beginning of our show, you were talking, Sean, about these projects or these hobbies that we've been doing. You've got your own hobbies. Uh, Cody, you've been talking about your hobbies. I was talking about mine. Just one of them. And, and each of us have multiple hobbies going at the same time. And that's why our wives are so frustrated and our girlfriends and, and the women around us cannot stand it because we've got all these projects and nothing's getting done to completion is what they tell me that I'm sure Brittany tells you this Sean and uh, I, I'm just puzzled about the girlfriend comment well yeah I mean Cody yeah oh okay. I'm not married I'm not married he's so. not tied down yet gotcha okay I just want got a lot of suitors how many girlfriends you got there Adam? <laughs> <laughs> this is public okay. so yeah uh, anyway I digress. <laughs> you talked about this idea of these hobbies, and what I heard you to say was, really, these hobbies or anything we do, if you're going to be good at it or you're going to make it good enough to uh, actually last you know, in your lifetime, you've got to put in the, some sort of sacrifice, whether that's time and researching what you're doing. You did that a lot with, um, you've you got this chicken project going on with these chicken coops and things like that and shelters and you put a lot of work and effort into researching the hoop coop the hoop coop yeah yeah look that up the hoop coop it's not his car that's a chicken coop that he put together (laughs) but uh there there's some sort of sacrifice that has to be given in order to have a good product or a good end result whether that's time and commitment or it's a combo of all that time commitment research and then hard work and oftentimes it takes all three of those components to put together a good a good product or a good result. And um, I think we were talking about this earlier, Sean. We're living in a world where we're very quick. I Maybe I don't want to use the royal we here, but what I see, like I'll give you an example. I read an article 
last week where we're fresh off the heels of the Super Bowl, and there's a a Kansas City Chiefs player that was reported to have made comments on Instagram about how nobody gave them respect this whole season. Nobody respects the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was really the fuel to his fire and, and their team to win the Super Bowl. And and um, and it was clickbait. I mean, I clicked on this article because the article heading was something like Kansas City Chief player says something that, you know, everybody disagrees with kind of thing. I'm like, huh, I wonder what he said. Was it like racially based? Was it something incendiary? No, he just said nobody gave us respect. <laughs> and it's like, okay. So I read two thirds of this article until I was like, why am I reading this article? This is so dumb. All it was was a bunch of commentators saying how people did respect the Kansas City Chiefs and and what that guy said on Instagram was not valid. It's like, well, that's the way he felt and he put it on Instagram. It's not a big deal. And I wasted five minutes of my life reading this article and it came, it brought the, the thought to my mind, we're very quick to judge and we see that in news articles a lot. And so how do we find positivity in this world where you've got these articles that are bombarding us, they'll get us with a catch or a hook to grab our attention like that did to me. And I'm pretty good about sifting that stuff out, but I was curious. They got me. And I got in that article until I, I got two thirds through and I realized, why am I, what am I doing? This is a waste of my time. What do I care? I don't care what the guy said. That's all he said. I know what he said. I, I don't need these people's opinions of what he said and their perspective on it. Like, I don't care. I've got my own perspective, you know? Um, but I think that's the world that we live in. So how do we find positivity in that world, Sean, when all this negativity is around us? And the way that I'm going to tie this in to what you brought brought up at the very beginning of the show, these learning curves, people are not perfect by any means. And we're very quick to judge, I feel like, um, when we see them going through a learning curve or they might say something or misspeak or I say this all, I, I say things that I shouldn't say all the time, you know, I misspeak. And that's a, that's a good thing. That's part of free speech that our founders wanted us to have in order to get ideas out. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be pretty. It might be incendiary. It might make you feel bad. Maybe it makes you feel good. But getting that thought out is the act of working through that thought process, and and that thought process might hurt somebody's feelings. That and yeah, absolutely. That's the key to the freedom of speech. Is it's not just speech. It's not just your ability to communicate your opinions. It's the ability to formulate thoughts, and and thoughts are formulated when you articulate those thoughts into words. And sometimes they're not fully formulated until those words come out of your mouth and you hear them and other people respond to them and and add different components to them and then the thought can actually mature and grow and that's the beauty of being able to freely communicate without the fear of um, government repercussion and 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 suppression a censorship we got to take a break we're going to come back and talk about keeping positive in uh filled with negative news this is 5 60 a.m Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back, Yuma, 560 AM, KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner in studio with Adam Hansen, Cody Beeson. And we're talking about keeping positive in a world that uh, is filled with negative headlines. 
And one of the ways to do it is, is perspective. It's all about understanding what we're here, what we're about, and um, that life really is about the journey. It's not about the end product. So what I mean by that is, what is the purpose of life? Are we here to find the easiest way to get food and water and shelter and um, reproduce? Or are we here to grow through the struggle? And although the latter is not as pleasant, it's necessary. We're here not to determine how easy we can make life. We're here to determine how we react to the, the situations that we are presented with. God is ultimately judging us based on what we do with the hand that we've been dealt with. And we look back at our forefathers and look at what they were able to do with the amount of resources they had. And it's, and it's quite remarkable. You look at uh, the, the, the wealth of knowledge that these individuals had. Like you look at Martin Luther or William Tinsdale that translated the Bible. And their knowledge of ancient languages as well as modern languages, not to mention the scripture and the gospel themselves. And they didn't have access to Google. They didn't have access to Wikipedia. They sat down and put in the time and the effort. And eternally, they get to keep that knowledge. And they they built this firm foundation upon which they can learn and gather. And that takes time and effort. Nowadays, we've got the Bible in over a thousand languages available to us on our phone, and when we read it, we don't have to be worried about being tied to the stake and burned by the government or the church for blasphemy or some made-up suppressive rule of law, because we're allowed to access information and and build upon it. But do do we? Do we use our time to actually look at good, uplifting information. And when we learn about what people did in history and what they had to go to, go through, then we can put our own lives in perspective and say, you know what? Yeah, there are a lot of people saying negative things about what's going on in the world. But what I do and what I have opportunities to do with my life are are pretty amazing. And if I'm going to go home and just spend all day vegging in front of YouTube or in front of the TV or, or just online, then I'm going to waste those opportunities unless it's building my own foundation of knowledge and then putting that into practice, actually building something with it. You can you can build it physically like Adam. He's, he's 3D printing things. Or you can build it um, technologically by putting computers together. You can build it intellectually by coming up with new concepts and and, it, and it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. And so this, all of this bad and negative news out there in the world, it is opposition to keeping positive and us moving forward and understanding, hey, it prevents us opportunity to grow. That is the mental weight out there that increases our fortitude. We want to grow mentally, spiritually. We want to grow physically. And we want to grow socially. And that is what we're all about. And when we do that, we've accomplished the purpose of life. And so we go through these little projects, and uh, I call it the IKEA process because you put together a piece of IKEA furniture and it takes you four hours, and it says on the instructions it should only take, you know, 45 minutes. <laughs> but you don't read the instructions until after you've messed it up two or three times. 
And uh, so then you go back and you read the instructions, you put it together, and then if you do that same piece of furniture again, yes, it does take 45 minutes or even less. But you've, you've seen why you don't do it a certain way. It won't be as structurally sound, or the screw will split the wood if you do it that way. And it's that learning process that's good. That's why kids are so amazing at what they do, and, and they stay positive at the same time, because they go about building sandcastles, and it, and it breaks down, and they're okay with it. They rebuild it again, and they know how to do it. And uh, they build, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, chairs that don't work initially, but then they find out different ways to do it. And if we can adopt that mentality of it's not about the end product, it's about learning how to do it and embrace it, then we'll enjoy the process and enjoy life essentially more. And I think it's important that we don't criticize others as we see them do that. And that, that's what we're talking about with the news cycles. You know, that is really just the essence of other people, this mob mentality joining in on criticizing others as they're going through this, what you call the IKEA process, as they're, they're going through this growing process of learning. We all are, are going through it, and, and um, I don't think it does anybody any favors when we're critical um, to others around us of going through that process. So how do, we, how do we still give constructive feedback without being so critical? Well, one, one idea is allowing people to learn and gather their ideas for themselves. You can't just pour out your knowledge and what you've learned through trial and error to somebody else. They have to go through some type of period of trial and error. Now, you can make it more constructive, and uh, you can provide a smoother path. For example, we teach our kids how to read, right? And uh, they, we have very constructive methods to teach them to read, and there have been proven methods that help kids very efficiently learn how, number one, understand the alphabet, understand how to put uh, letters together to form sounds, and then string those letters to, or those words together to form sentences, and so on. In fact, we read together every night as a family. This is all attributed to my wife. Um, she drags me in from outside, and I'm complaining as much as any of the kids, but we do it. And um, last night, my six-year-old was reading the scriptures, and he was able to get the thes and the ands and the therefores, but he was not able to get most of the large words, which comprised most of the, the verse that he was reading. And so she's here whispering in his ear those words, and he really loves doing that. And the rest of us are sitting around like, okay, come on, it's his turn again. And, and <laughs> we're just enduring him reading. And... uh as he got done with one verse, I thought, okay, whew, he got through with it. And then she starts him on the next. And I look at her and I go, is he really reading? I mean, does this count? Or I mean, shouldn't you just kind of read it and he, him repeat the words after you? And she looks at me with this, you know, dagger glare. And she's like, he, he wants to read and he is reading. He's learning to read. And I'm like, okay, yeah, put me back in my place. That's good. Um, and so... He's going through that process, and, and he loves it. And we need to adopt that childlike mentality to love the struggle, to learn and to grow. I think that's what Christ meant when he said that um, we must become like little children to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That means little children, they're hungry to learn, and they're also very willing to take advice and to accept assistance from others. But 
we as as adults often want to get directly to the point and and get to the final product and uh, that's a lack of humility and it's a lack of patience and children personify humility and patience and that's what we need to be successful in this project of God sending us here to grow and develop and become greater individuals and whatever your beliefs may be better off than when we were born here on earth and uh, so that that's happening with them and in the process of of reading was fantastic and now once he is able to read the world is going to open up to him as to what he can do and understand because there's so much out there that people have written down whether it's on the internet or in books and he can understand and, and create this great foundation to develop and innovate himself i've lived in um, areas of the world brazil in particular where the um, literacy rate was 20 percent and i would talk to these families that couldn't read and uh, they had never left their town they'd never used a telephone they've never um, experienced all that's out there even just on the fringes of their community because they were restricted from the ability to learn and to grow. And we have that, but do we use it or do we get frustrated that the, the information and the end result doesn't come fast enough? That's all the time that we have for today. This is 560 AM KBLU Life, Death, and the Law. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.